Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. They knocked me out of the series. You know, I don't even get a chance to play with my teammates and battle with my teammates in the series. Um,. You know, for a guy with with a clean record. They didn't knock you out of the series, bud. You knocked yourself out of the series. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. That is Mark Shifley, who's an excellent player. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple different topics around agencies here momentarily. As uh, we bring aboard from the NHL Network, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He uh, drafted two of the core pieces to a Lightning team that looks capable of winning back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. He's now at the NHL Network. For years, he ran Octagon's Player Agency, which is one of the biggest in the business. We welcome back to the show Brian Lawton for Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob, and you're right. That didn't sound good for Mark Shifley. I heard a couple different one-liners went back and watched the whole thing. To be fair to him, he was much more articulate than the one-liners that are coming out from that. Because uh, that sounds terrible when you have a player saying, oh, I got bounced. And what your reply was was exactly correct. You didn't well, get bounced. You got yourself knocked out of the series. Like... Uh, so, uh, is he, I think he's, is Donnie Meehan, like he's listed on Puckpedia as being represented by Don Meehan's group. Is Donnie still in it day to day or is he basically semi-retired at this point? Oh, I think Donnie's cut back a bit, but Mark used to be a client at Octagon that I recall. Okay. And, uh, I wasn't there when they recruited him. I had left already, but, uh, he made a change, I believe, recently to Donnie Meehan. And I hate when guys change. You know, in Mark Shifley's case, I remember when they were doing that contract because I got a call. Octagon didn't want to sign it. Mark Shifley wanted the security. And it happens all the time to players. And lo and behold, you find out that you're underpaid. And then you change agents. So that's the crappy part of the business. It happens. There's nothing you can do about it. But I distinctly remember getting a call from Mike Liu. And what should I do with this guy? Lots, he can't sleep. He's, he's having a hard time. He wants to get this over with. 
That's just the way it goes sometimes. It's the unfortunate part of the business. How much counseling takes place from the agency, or do they defer to the team and the PR staff on the team in terms of communicating messaging with the respective player? I would never let a player you know, go to an end-of-a-year final press conference without talking to them about messaging. Uh, in those cases, they're really, they're, it is a no-win situation for Mark, to be fair. I know he feels terrible. You know, he probably feels like he let his team down. He didn't do it on purpose. It's a split-second decision, but that is the end result. Yep. Now, messaging, I would tell him specifically, just apologize and move on. That's all you can do. There's no other way to say it and, and present it better. You're not going to fool the general public anymore. It comes off lousy, and hence your quick response. <laughs> so you didn't get bounced from this year. We've had, look, we got a lot of parents of really good young players that listen to this show. We've talked, uh, you actually have suggested there should probably be an age moratorium on when you can start recruiting uh, uh, to, to get kids. How, how old were the players when, when you were in the agency business? When, when, when were you targeting kids at? Like at 15, 16, 17? Brian? Yeah, yeah, we were trying to stay to that 17 range, and then you get forced to go to 16, and then you get forced to go to 15. And to be completely transparent, one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of the agency business, I wanted to work for a club. That was reason number one. But reason number two, I didn't like that part of it. It was getting just a little bit gross for me personally. Yeah, it's it's fun. Now, we have a WHL Bantam draft, and I think I might have told you the story, Brian. I had a prominent agency come up to me and say, hey, Bob, do you know this family? Uh, because their son's a terrific player. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I know the family, but the father, who I go out for a couple pops with once every two months, had never talked about how good of a player his son was. And, and I mean, they were the agency was asking about a guy before the Bantamere, like at a fairly young, I was, so when you hear that, when you hear that the family had never even discussed it uh, with a know-it-all blowhard like me, that probably wants you to have the kid even more, doesn't it? In that situation? Uh, it, it does, and it's easy for the families, and it, you know, and there's plenty of families. There's still lots of families that are incredibly humble parents, yeah. and they have incredibly humble children, but it's easy to get seduced. By anybody in this business, particularly NHL agents, and I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't one of the guys trying, but I could tell, I can tell you honestly that I was not a fan of how much younger and younger and younger the recruiting process was going. Total curveball for you here, Brian. Uh, one of the texters, and I'm going to paraphrase the text. He said, Bob, Canada's starting to have some marginal success in international soccer because the kids are going over to Europe at 17, 18, 19 and playing in the top leagues. And should we consider doing the same uh, in terms of our players at maybe 16, 17, and 18 and not sending them the major junior route? Now, I'm a big believer in major junior hockey in the right situation. Uh, I don't know if the same opportunities, like when you're going to Europe, you're playing the best in, in, in European football. So it's a little bit different. But how, I mean, the, the cost of, I mean, the one guy that's done it so far has been Austin Matthews. With the exception of what happened this year with some leagues, like the OHL didn't play, so some guys went to lower-level European leagues. But at the end of the day, you'd still prefer, would you not, if you're a North American, an, an agent representing a North American kid, 
nine times out of ten, would the best scenario not exist for the kid to to either go major, junior, or go the uh, uh, the you know the the junior A route that takes you into the NCAA one of those two options instead? Where are you out with that, Brian? I think it does, to be honest with you. I really do. But at the end of the day, uh, the difference for me is that some Canadian soccer players, I don't know a lot about it, so your callers should call in and correct me. At the end of the day, um, they're going over there, I assume, because the training is a little more advanced in Canada. The competition is more advanced. That would be totally my suspicion did we lose in North America? Okay, I think, can you hear me, Bob? Yeah, we can now. Yes. So you're right in downtown New York, yeah, eh? Down, I'm in downtown New York. I apologize. Uh, it's chaos here, twenty four seven. New York City is back. You've heard me say that before. Yes. <laughs> the pandemic is op- over in New York City. It is as packed as it's ever been. All right. Uh, so at the end of the day, the, the training opportunities and the opportunities to play with the best players is a is a major driver for those top end Canadian kids that got a chance to play in Europe, like in Alfonso Davies, and that's why it makes sense. That's that's what I believe it would be. I'm open minded to that, though. I had a a uh, really really good friend I grew up with, son tennis player, made it to about 48th in the world in the last couple of years. Took his son all over the world for this very purpose. He needed how to strengthen parts of his game, but that's a more individual sport than hockey. I, I love major, junior. I love college, too, just to be fair. At the end of the day, there's a right and wrong route for almost every player. The trick is matching it up. So I don't believe every player should go to major, junior. Not every player is ready to participate at that level, and you can end up destroying a player's confidence. At the same time, I don't think every player should go play in the NCAA either. You know, it depends what you need. I loved when I had guys that did both, and I had a number of them. Mark Parrish, Ben Clymer. These were guys that played at really big Division One schools and also played, both of those two players played in Seattle in the West. And they got completely different things out of both experience. College was more about working out, less games, more practice time. Junior was more about learning how to be a professional, learning how to deliver on wins every game be prepared there was a lot a lot of benefits in both that was my preferred model if you could take players and get them in both that's really powerful all right brian lawton joining us now at the nhl network former gm of the tampa bay lightning brian are the lightning dealing from a stacked deck they got a 98 million dollar salary cap when they're playing against a bunch of other teams between 81 to 85 they definitely could not have had it work out any better. Do I think that they faked an injury, this, that, or the other thing? No. Do I think other teams are doing the same thing? Yes. The Toronto Maple Leafs certainly did similar type things. Uh, is it permissible? Yes. Does it feel right? No. It doesn't. Not when Nikita Kucherov is leading the playoffs. But at the same time, I don't begrudge Tampa for doing it because it's within the rules. Generally what happens, and I've been a part of some of these things particularly as an agent where there were some things you could exploit. Generally what happens is the NHL will come back and take a look at it and clean it up. Will that happen in the future? I have no idea. But if it did, would I be surprised? No, I would not. How Tampa Bay, by the way, just so the listeners are aware, they're actually over the cap next year by five years. They're, or five million. They're at, 80, they're at 86 and a half million next year. 
So they're five billion bucks right. over the cap space. So they got to get rid of like uh, I mean, there's I mean that would probably take them out of re-signing Coleman or Goodrow. Uh, obviously, they're going to try to find a new home from a guy like Tyler Johnson. Uh, I, it would it be fair to say two of the following four players are going to be gone: Palat, Gord, Johnson, and Kalorn. Does is that the most logical scenario? They'd end up moving two of those four guys out. It is, and if they had their preference, I would say they would move Johnson and Gord out. I'm not sure they'll be able to get by with just that. Tyler Johnson, you know, doing a very nice job on the fourth line. has shown that he can play higher above that level, uh, but I don't see anybody giving them that type of credit for it with the term left and the dollars on that contract. I'd say that's going to be a tough one. So now you're left with two out of the other three group, three in the group. And I'd say Yanni Gord would be their first preference. And then after that, I mean, Pilat is a really good player and Alex Kalorn is an excellent playoff player. Um, they're, they're going to have some challenges. Their decor is loaded. Obviously uh, at some point they're going to lose one of, they're not going to lose McDonough or Hedman. So I'd say they'll lose, I don't think they'll lose Sergachev, so I'd say Cernak will probably be the guy that would be out at some point. Would you, if you were Edmonton, and you know Dave Tippett, how would Alex Kloran fit uh, on one of the top two left-wing spots at Edmonton? Uh, he'd be amazing for Edmonton. And, and, and to be honest with you, that's part of the design of the salary cap, is to spread that wealth around. I mean, what Edmonton needs to decide is, you know, Ken's going to take a long, hard look at the playoffs and say, wait a minute, everybody that's got some high-end players is out. And the teams that, you know, have more balance and depth are doing well. So how do you reconstruct things to maybe hit that mark, if that's what Ken, the conclusion he comes to? Um, you know, teams like the Islanders, they don't really have you no know, disrespect to Matthew Barzell, but he's making $7 million bucks, And he's not even a point-of-game player. He could be, but he isn't. It's it's very interesting what's going on right now. I always think it's a copycat league. I'm curious to see how many GMs buy into that's the wave of the future or come to the conclusion that it's a one-off, the salary cap will start going up again, and the teams with high-end players will be able to fill in with more. And when I say high-end, I mean really great players and guys that are paid really well, a la the Toronto Maple Leafs, $40 million and forwards. One of the things that Tampa Bay has done, Al Murray, their head scout, uh, and I mean, you, you, you were the guy that drafted Stamkos and uh, Hedman, but I mean, they got guys like Kachuk, uh, Boris Kachuk, and Taylor Radish coming. Those guys were second round picks that other teams would like to get, so they could move some money out. But in terms of an asset, what sort of asset do you think would be required to, as an example, get Alex Kalorn out of Tampa Bay? Uh, there's no doubt they're going to want a first-rounder for him. Okay. The trick wow. is going to be how many people are out there that are willing to pay that. And if you can time it right, you could get him for cheaper than that. But it's a complete timing issue. Interesting. That's all you're looking at. And, and it's supply and demand. So if there's 10 other guys that want him, that's just not going to happen. You know, we saw J.T. Miller move for a first-round pick, and I did not think J.T.'s value was as high as Alex Kalorn's would be at that time. JT has proven to be a terrific uh, acquisition for the Vancouver Canucks. High salary, first-round pick, no money eaten by Tampa. Um, But, you know, they came up with a top-six forward that's performed quite nicely for them.
Well, it's interesting. I mean, years ago, a decade ago, the Oilers got a first-round pick plus for Dustin Penner. And I know there were some people right. surprised. And, I mean, they forgot that Penner had scored over 90 goals in the previous three and a half seasons in Edmonton. And he did score a big goal in overtime and knocking off Dave Tippett in Arizona and wrote to winning the Stanley Cup for L.A. in 2012. So you're never quite sure in terms of valuation. Are you surprised the Islanders are up on Boston 3-2? Uh, I would not have picked that, but with the loss of Brandon Carlo, I'm really concerned about that decor. Boston's done an amazing job, you know, withstanding the losses of Krug and Chara. They filled in with guys like Mike Riley, who really had a breakout year for the Ottawa Senators before being acquired by Boston. And he was filling in nicely in the top four. But without Carlo, it's put a lot of pressure on Riley and Lazan and some of the other guys. Tenorti's been forced into play. And it has not looked nearly as good as it was up to that point. And because of that, uh, I'm, I'm concerned for Boston. They're going to need a big, big effort tonight to keep this series alive. Uh, Colorado looked like, you know, nobody could touch them in game one. What happened to that series? The first game, obviously, they were really swamped. It was almost a throwaway game from Vegas. It looked really bad. They were exhausted. The Minnesota Wild gave them all they could handle. And it really showed in game one. In game two, they got their legs underneath them. Marc-Andre Fleury re-entered the picture. And ever since then, they've been off and running. And they can match Colorado in different ways. Colorado is another team that without one player, all of a sudden their depth is significantly challenged. People forget Kadri. He he didn't have a very prolific offensive year this year, but the guy had 18 points in the playoffs last year, nine goals, nine assists. Burakowski had, I think, 17 points in 15 games in the playoffs. He's got zero goals and three assists. They have lost all their depth, and that's how fine a line it is. And for all the Edmonton fans out there, you know, you, you always want to look at your team and say, what happened? And you get a lot of the tells from what's happening to other teams right now around the National Hockey League. Nate McKinnon doesn't have a point in his last three games. I mean, you know, after game one, people are like, Connor McDavid's not the best player in the league. Nate McKinnon is. And I'm like, yeah, Colorado has superior depth. And and Kadri took himself out of, the, out of the playoffs as well. And that's just a killer because that's a guy to me, Brian, He's tailor-made to play the game if he could just stay in the damn game. He'd love to work with that guy on a nightly basis if you were the GM and just just talk to him all the time and remind him. It's so penal what happened. It was penal what happened with Shifley, but with Kadri, because he's a repeat offender, particularly at this time of year, it's really head-shaking, head-scratching to say the least. Love it, Brian. Let's uh, hook up next week. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you very much. Yep, that is Brian Lawton, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, longtime head of Octagon's player agency. That is the agency that currently represents Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Rick Vallette, as well as Leon Dreisettle, Mike Liute. Many of you would remember him from the 1981 Canada Cup. Didn't go too well. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Brian's appearance is brought to you by Mattress Superstore. We'll tell you that guests in Oilers Now receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, and it reopens uh, for dine-in experience on the 11th, Friday the 11th. 
You can tell Maggie, Taylor, Brendan, and Chef Eltoff that Oilers now sent you to Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. We'll get to some texts and get to the Oilers now injury report when we get back for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 12.53 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now. This text comes out of a 403 exchange. It says, Bob, I would love an entire segment with Brian Lawton one day talking all about the agency business. So interesting. I think we did that once before. Um, I'm going to have to do that here in the next month, and I'll tell you why. Because I think it's just as I think there's a possibility we could, like Kevin Weeks, and I know there's rumors out there, about Kevin Weeks potentially ending up at ESPN but still doing some stuff the NHL Network. I think Kevin Weeks is going to get an opportunity at some stage to work in management. And I, Brian Lawton's already been a GM in the league. I could totally see him resurfacing with an NHL team, so I better make that happen. Uh, we'll try to, you know, maybe we'll pick a quiet day in the NHL schedule at some point coming up in the next four weeks, an off day in the Stanley Cup or something where we can uh, do that for you. Uh, talk a little bit more about the agency business. It interests me as well. It's uh, it's a pretty interesting time in that industry as well. Tiny Ted says, Bob, Tampa Bay is $17 million over the cap, and they're signing players below market value due to state tax laws. Tell me again how they don't have an unfair advantage over other teams. That one comes to us from Tiny Ted. Tiny Ted, you're 100% right. Vegas totally has an advantage over other teams. There's no other way to say it. Uh, Peter from Wainwright says Vegas versus Colorado sum- summary game one throw away. Vegas was dog tired. Uh, they didn't play their uh, board game that they're known for. They started their backup goalie. Game two, Avs outplayed them in the first period in overtime. Vegas started playing their style. Game three, Vegas played their style right from the first minute and effectively kept the Avs out of the middle of the ice uh, where they flourish. Game four, similar to game three, uh, but the Avs had a sign of life. Game five. Both teams played inconsistent, had lots of hot and cold streaks in the game. First period was even, second was all abs, and third was mainly Vegas. Vegas is up 3-2. I picked Colorado. I'm a little surprised at the way it's gone. Uh, KDK says, Bob, what would you offer Columbus for Seth Jones? Well, the only way I'd go get Seth Jones is if I knew he'd sign at Edmonton, and I believe he wants to play in the United States. So, uh, and maybe, maybe things can change, but my guess is he ends up signing long term in the uh, U.S. of A. And, and that's he's entitled to do that. There's there's Western Canadian players that would prefer playing in Western Canada. There's one in Vancouver that's uh, played for two of the three Western Canadian teams. To the Oilers now injury report brought to you daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. You know, I'm just thinking, Trent Brown. Did he have those pair of uh, MC Hammer pants back in the day when he was a star for the Edmonton Eskimos? He might have. Uh, anyhow, uh, now, of course, known as the Edmonton Elks, and uh, we're closing in. Brendan, do you have a – and I know you're going to do the uh, the injury report for us. Do we? It's not finalized yet, right, on the start of the CFL season being like August the 5th? That hasn't come to fruition yet, has it? It's not set in stone, that's correct, but everything is tracking towards it being that, that date. 
That's going to be awesome. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. James H. Brown, injury lawyers, the heavy hitters in injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Yeah, Jeff Petrie is expected back early in the next round of the playoffs. So remember, he snagged his hand in the camera slot in the plexiglass. Uh, missed game four against the Jets. Head coach Dominique Ducharme, though, can't guarantee which game he will return for. Uh, Jake Evans did work out with teammates in the gym yesterday. Some off-ice activity as he recovers from that concussion. Nick Ehlers was playing uh, with a torn labrum in his shoulder and a rib cartilage fracture, but he says he felt 100% uh, when returning for Game 3 against Edmonton in that series. So, hockey players, I guess. Well, he, I'll tell you, he's really become a player in the last couple of years. You can text us at 780-496-0063 back into the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Oilers GM says, Bob, the pl- uh, players of Elvis Merzlichkin's caliber, you were talking about him yesterday, if Jody Shelley, aren't always available. So when they are, you got to pounce, just like Josh Anderson was, because once they're gone, you can never get them. Uh, and then he adds, uh, regarding Seth Jones, bear Clefbaum and a second for Jones. The only way we can get Jones is if Clefbaum is part of the deal, and that's if Columbus wants to take the risk on him. From my perspective, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that deal because in a year from now, Jones theoretically could be gone, and Ethan Bear has got a year left on his deal, a, a bridge deal at two million bucks. And to me, I think the Oilers on the right side next year are going to be bear. Uh, Larson and Bouchard. So I would not do that deal because, again, some of the feelers I've heard out there are suggesting that the uh, Seth Jones would prefer to play in the United States. Now, I, I don't have that 100% verified, but let's see where he ultimately signs long term. 1258 in Edmonton off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back from the cult of hockey, David Staples, you're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.